Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel. We are happy to have this week's guest to discuss today's topic, which is email marketing, what you need to know during the holidays. Today's guest is the VP of Strategy and Marketing at Inbox Army, a full-service email marketing agency that works with clients to provide all of their email marketing needs from strategy to development to execution. A big welcome to Scott Cohen. Hi, Scott. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. It's always a, a big topic this time of year. For sure, for sure. Now, many of the listeners, um, you may or may not know, but to this podcast are e-commerce store open um, owners and marketing professionals, and a lot of them are working on a shoestring budget. So let me start with this question. Does the ROI of hiring an email marketing agency pencil out versus doing it themselves? I guess, you know, is it worth it? When should they decide to use an email marketing agency? Uh, you know, it- the the famous two word answer in email is it depends, right? So <clears throat> when I when I always think about it, when I get on calls with potential clients, it's what's the problem you're trying to solve for, right? Is it a is it a strategy problem? I mean, a lot of times, you know, with e commerce owners, it's just they they're likely doing everything, right? They just don't have the time. So if most of the time it is an execution play, look, I just need somebody to help me get emails out the door, and you know, if I'm thinking about it from their perspective, it's what is the dollar value of your time, right? You know, how much time do you have? How much time should you have? E-commerce and email go together like peanut butter and jelly, right? Like what's the old Forrest Gump thing, like peas and carrots, right? Um, And, you know, it, it becomes a point of when, what is your budget? Do you have the cash to invest? You know, some, some agencies, you know, you may be in the, I just need a, a single sort of consultant you know, or you may need full, full blown email marketing, right? And it, it becomes a cost consideration there. Oftentimes for us, you know, we're not, you know, we're not the cheapest guy out there, but we're certainly not the most expensive guy out there. So it really becomes a, you know, are you, what problem are you solving for? And we, you know, obviously as a full service agency, we can solve for the strategic, but we really, our bread and butter is really that execution side. We have a deep bench for that execution piece whatever platforms you might be on, et cetera. So that's what I would go into is, is the ROI there to save your time? And with the email program growth, it would pay for itself over time, usually pretty quickly. Now, how important do you believe that a good email strategy is for the growth of an e-commerce company? I mean, it's absolutely crucial, right? I mean, it's it's frankly, in e-commerce, it's table stakes to have the foundations in place, you know, a welcome series for new subscribers to your site, you know, with pop-ups or uh, order and shipping confirmation emails, right? You need that paper trail 
you know, anytime you're, if you order from someone that you've never heard of before, maybe you've seen Instagram ad and then you don't get that order confirmation email, you start freaking out. Like, oh my God, did I, did my order go through? Did it, am I going to get scammed? Whatever it might be. So those touch points establish trust. And if you don't do it right, it diminishes trust, right? And then there's also the cart and checkout abandoned emails. They're, they're slightly different, you know, kind of in the same boat, but I mean, Andy, I'm sure you've done You've abandoned carts all the time, right? You get those emails. Sometimes they have offers. Sometimes they don't. Um, but you know, those are the pieces that really power the the foundational elements of an e-commerce business, and you just have to have them. And then from there, it becomes scale. You know, crawl, walk, run is our philosophy. So, what is your product life cycle? What's your service life cycle? Is there an, are you a single product business? In which case, maybe you shift over into once they've purchased, it becomes more of a education of how to use the product, right? Or the, the benefits and features of the product make them feel good about their purchase. If you sell multiple products, then it becomes, is there that next logical product? You know, I always go back to printer and ink, right? Do you need ink? Or you bought a laptop, maybe you need a keyboard and mouse. Maybe you do need a printer. I mean, I feel old having one, but um, you know, it's that's where you get into it. But don't feel like you have to boil the ocean at once. You know, you, you can't boil the ocean. So think of get those foundational pieces in place that can make you money. Like your welcome series is going to be your highest engaged program, your your biggest money maker. And then maybe it's that and your order and shipping confirmations, you add cart down the line, and then you get into the your broadcast emails, which can keep the traffic flowing. Let's talk but about to answer that. your the so long-winded answer to say yes, absolutely important. Yeah. Let's let's jump into those broadcast emails. How yeah. often should you be sending them and should you be increasing those this time of year? Uh during holiday, I mean, I think we're just past obviously the biggest time of year, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but Anytime you have a big sale, you know, holiday for sure, you know, if you've got promotions for the rest of the year, this is the time that people, one, people are looking for the deals. And if they haven't necessarily, you know, maybe they spent some of their budget on um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but not for you. And they're ready to come back and purchase again. Um, People expect the increased cadence this time of year. I would always say, you know, with our clients, kind of a minimum is twice a month, right? I mean, we're we're far gone from the days of the monthly newsletter being enough. I mean, or you think about your own inboxes, just the sheer volume of messaging you get, even from the companies that you sign up for. If you're doing once a month, you're you lose that brand value of just being in the inbox, right? You know, you you ramp up for big sales. When I was brand side, we had the big five, right? Where you have President's Day, Memorial Day, July 4th for the US. President's Day, Memorial Day, July 4th, Labor Day, and then holiday. And during those times, when you have your biggest offers, you can be the most aggressive. Um, There's always that balance of if you send too much or your offers aren't good, people are going to unsubscribe. If you go really crazy, you can get into some deliverability problems. But What, What do you consider sending too much? That depends on the on the brand, right? There are there are some brands that could get away with mailing every single day. It's all about relevance, right? And do do you have enough content? Do you have enough products that and people engaged in those pieces that could? There's no like hard and fast rule. There's no hard and fast number, right? And it, it's in terms of a maximum. Um, and your customers will tell you. 
right? I mean, if you start mailing every single day, I think for a little while you might make some money, but long-term it might hurt if you don't maintain that engagement. But, and you also have to be aware of the people that you could send twice in a month and there's going to be somebody on your list that will, if they're vocal enough, will go, hey, that's too much. Don't listen to the one person. <laughs> Look at your data and get those numbers and determine it from there. When you're working with a client, how do you set up the strategy as far? I mean, you know, beyond the transactional <clears throat> emails, um, win back emails, card abandonment emails, but those broadcast emails, how how do you work the strategy? Do you set it up for by quarter, by year, by I mean, how how does that work? I mean, we we establish the goals first, right? And we really do think about it on a three, six, nine, twelve month, because if you're thinking about a year, that doesn't give you the flexibility to change. I think that there's too much volatility in the world right now, right? I mean, if you think about COVID, for example, yeah, we're three years past, three and a half, four years past past it, even though we're kind of not in some ways, it kind of just turned everything on its head. And if you have a 12-month plan that's set in stone, you can't adjust for something that would be a quarter of a COVID level engagement, right? A, a quarter of a COVID disruption, uh, you know, especially now, and it'll be interesting, you know, as we look back at the numbers that we, we get in from our clients to see how Black Friday, Cyber Monday really does, because, you know, credit card debt is at an all-time high in the U.S. right now. We've got this recession, not recession thing going on. You know, interest rates are at an all-time high, well, not an all-time high, but certainly high for the last 10, 15 years. It's just a different, it's a different ballgame than we were even 12, 18 months ago. So I think that that when we go into it, it's like, what what are your three-month goals? What are your longer-term six-month goals that could be adjusted? And then we build that content calendar, usually on a 60 to 90-day basis. And it could be, depending on the, the client, could be a combination of promotional emails. Typically with e-commerce, you see a lot of promotion, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you see seasonality. So like as you're gearing up for 2024, look at, you know, if you have at least 12 months to 24 months of data, go see what your seasonality looks like. Because what people are buying now are not necessarily what they're going to be buying three months from now. And it could be that if you have 24 months of data that shows every February, for example, people buy these products from you generally, do you promote them or do you say that's our benchmark and we promote other things? So that's, and it's really a give and take with our clients of, okay, let's get this content calendar in place. Let's test things. Maybe it's subject lines. Maybe it's, you know, it's the segmentation of, okay, these people bought these things. So send them content specific to what's logical for them next versus how do we get these new subscribers to get that first purchase? So there's no, keep coming back to there's, it depends. There's no one size fits all because I mean, I have, you know, you we had have, a great I, a great yeah. point there. Just uh, quick before we uh, move on to more the segmenting. How how much do you segment for your clients, and how important is that? Segments make sense when you have enough people on your list, right? So you know, I always say at a minimum, know what your customers have done, and segment that way. So like, if you have an e-commerce business that has a thousand people on your list, and you have two hundred of those people that have purchased from you start treating those 200 differently than you do the other 800, right? Um, When you get into, you know, we really say like for testing, 
and for true segmentation, you know, you got to get to at least to where you can see some t- statistical significance in difference of content. You really need to get at least 5,000, 10,000 people. Because if one person acts differently and it changes the numbers drastically, then you aren't really learning anything. Um, so we, you know, we have some clients that literally have a hundred segments and we have clients that have two. It just depends on the size and what they're selling and everything else. And how, I mean, one of the um, you know, objections, but hesitations with somebody outsourcing their email marketing is are you how are you able to adapt the uh, company's voice to the emails you're creating? That is the challenge, right? I mean, that is a that is a big challenge, of course. Um, you know, oftentimes will help. And we we have clients that sort of are across the board, like they give us content, and then we go, okay, that'll fit an email this way, but they're maintaining their voice. Other clients, we do the writing for them, but we are still running it. I mean, like any good agency would, you're making sure. You've got the brand guidelines, you've got the the voice down, you're getting approvals, you're doing all that stuff to make sure that the voice is established. The the hardest ones are, you know, clients that don't know their voice, right? And there are plenty of people who don't know what their market. I'm an old copywriter, so you know, it's easy for me to say, Oh, I can I can mimic your voice. I've done I was brand side as copywriter, did ad agency work in my super early career. So you just kind of fold in. Um but it's it's important to have consistency across your channels, right? So if you are if your voice is extremely different in social outside of like you're doing some testing, of course. I mean, sometimes you can test and try different things if you're trying to move the voice. But that consistency piece, and that's really where the you know for us the client comes in and says, "This is this is our voice. This is how it needs to sound." And as an agency, we adopt that at the individual level. Do you have a preferred ESP that you use for sending the emails? Uh, no. Um, well, let's put it this way. There are, we at Inbox Army, we have clients across 40 different platforms. Wow. So, and we just plug into whatever our, our clients are using. So we've got, you know, we've got clients on Clavio, We've got clients on MailChimp, you know, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, HubSpot the whole whole host of others right if you were to ask me individually which platforms i like and which platforms i hate i'd give you an answer i'm not going to say them um but that's also focus group of one i've been a user myself on plenty of platforms and i go like for example salesforce marketing cloud is great provided you can support it with a full dev team cuz it's very complicated clavio is great and it's much simpler you know, and and for e-commerce people, for example, you know, if they're on Shopify and they don't have a platform, Clavio is probably a great place to start. Their integration's really good, right? But Shopify also integrates into a bunch of other platforms. So I would never, if you're on a platform right now and you don't have a reason to leave, don't look for one, because even the, in the best case scenario of migration, which we do migration work for several clients as well, where they go, Hey, we're moving from HubSpot to, or, or, you know, whatever, to whatever we can help with that. But it is a hassle because if you have all those automations built on one place, yeah. you got to rebuild them in another, you got to set up all the audiences, you got to redo the forms. So there's no, 
I would no ESP is perfect. Let's put I was going to say, is there an ESP that delivers better than others? Like for deliverability? Deliverability, yeah. Most of them are, it, especially if you are, if your volume is big enough that you are on what's called a dedicated IP, so you have full control over your IP, it really is your practices that determine how you get delivered, not so much the ESP. If you're on like, MailChimp and you're using a shared IP, you're sharing the reputation across you and all the brand, the other brands that are on those IPs. So like the MailChimps of the world, they're very protective of their shared IPs because if somebody has a bad actor, they don't just bring themselves down, they bring 10 other companies down with them. So it's most of them are pretty good. So in which, that which ones are you sharing an IP and, and how do you know? Um, I know for a fact that if you like are brand new on like MailChimp and uh, I, and I'd have to check with the team, I'm not fully plugged in on that anymore, um, on the platform side. Cause I haven't needed to be, I've been on dedicated IPs for a long time on the brand side on my brand experience, but you know, MailChimp typically starts with shared. I think some of the other ones like constant contact do some of the smaller players, they'll start you there. And then as you get into the more again, it's a volume play, right? If you're sending a thousand emails a month, it actually hurts you to be on a dedicated IP because your volume is so low. Um, whereas when you get a lot of because it's a volume play and a consistency and reputation play that comes in for deliverability. It's and if we needed to talk about that, I would get somebody from my deliverability team in because they know a heck of a lot more about that than I do. So when you guys first start with a new client, what what are you looking for? I mean, we talked about maybe some of the the automated sequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that generally the starting place? And then you look at what kind of broadcasts they want as far as setting up a marketing calendar. I mean, how how's that process go? Yeah, with you know, we when we take on what we call a managed services client, and that's where we're taking on those broadcast emails, right? We do an initial audit of the program. So we take a look at the last three six, three to six months of what they've been sending out. Because our goal initially always is to get to parity as quickly as possible. Like take on the process, get these out. Then we focus on improvement from there. So because getting to parity when you're getting into, okay, we want to do some new designs and you know the, the early months are always the hardest. But we look at we look at those broadcast emails. We look at their automations, and we start taking notes of this is what they have. This is the performance. Here's where we think we can make improvements. Then we also look at their mailing lists, right? We look at how they've built them out. Are they building it out through their website and sort of that organic growth piece, or are they trying to take shortcuts like buying lists, which we never recommend. In fact, we rare we rarely, if ever, work with companies who that's how they've built their lists is they've gone out and bought email addresses. Just not a good idea. It doesn't work anymore or so rarely works that, you know, it's it's usually an empty bill of goods. We look at unsub rates, we look at bounce rates, all those things. And usually that's where we look and go, okay, their bounce rates are really high, their unsub rates are really high. I'm guessing that they what's what's, a, what's an unsubrate? Like the unsubscribes, right? Oh, so unsubscribes. you get like, oh, Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So unsubscribes, we look at those, we look at the bounce rates and if those are high, we go we probably either have a deliverability issue which could be just from, you know, sending practices that aren't great, or it's usually a combination of things. But those are the things we look at and we go, okay, this is what, 
it's going to sound bad, but what we're up against, right? Okay, this is this is the the current state of the program. Where can we start making improvements? What about AI? Have you guys looked at how to incorporate AI in your offerings? Uh, AI, because we don't resell anybody, we're not, you know, we're not a software company. Um, you know, it's more learning about the platforms that are using AI. So, you know, we get clients that go, yeah, I've been doing some writing through chat GPT and things of that sort. And, you know, we, we have an understanding of where that falls in some platforms are launching. I believe Marketo is one of them that they're launching AI built uh, automation journeys now. So based on what they know from from customer engagement and everything, they'll build out journeys. I haven't seen it in action yet, but I know that it's, I think it's starting to roll out in beta. So those are the things we're keeping track of and just seeing what the true effects are. I think AI is still very much, I mean, I think for everybody, it's still, nobody's fully sure what it's supposed to do yet. Now, do you have a favorite success story of a client you could share? You know, I, I, I'll give you one, but I think it's important to, it's actually more from, from my brand side, but you know, we see these types of stories all the time. Um, but really, uh, big wins are really rare. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years and, you know, that sort of astronomical win is rare. So I think everyone thinks, especially when they sign up with an agency that it's going to be, Oh, I'm going to sign up with you, and I've, I'll go from you know a two x to a twenty x overnight. And in some cases, that's happened, but in, a, in most cases, it's about that sustained incremental growth. But the sort of a, a nice little short success story would be: I was working with a, a mattress retailer, and they wanted to. They had this pillow that they added in a <clears throat> like a little riser, right, to make it a taller pillow. And they wanted to send it to everybody like, Hey, promote this new riser. And I, and I went, it doesn't really make sense because if they go and buy the pillow new, they get the riser. Now, why don't we target everyone who bought the pillow before and say, Hey, for a small, you know, small cost, you can get this riser and make it taller. You've been asking for it. Here it is. We sent that out to the previous buyers group. And it, like I said, one of those rare, just absolutely crushed it, you know, a conversion rate you don't see on true broadcast emails, right? Like five, 10 X better in terms of conversion rate for, for orders. And the people didn't just order those like, like, you know, it was, it was a $15 product and you know, the average order value was like 60 bucks. Right. So it, it didn't just drive the orders of what we were promoting, but other things. So those are the types of things. Those are the types of strategies we employ when it makes sense of, oh, you have this new product, who's it for? Who who should buy it? On both, you know, new customer side and existing customer side, who who does this fit for? And we really try to push email in that direction, that relevance piece. You know, you had mentioned conversion rate. I'm I'm curious, on average, what kind of open rate do you see on broadcast emails and and what kind of conversion rates? So opens are directional at best is how I would describe them. So particularly with when iOS 15, and I think that was two years ago now, uh, went live, they they implemented mail privacy protection on the Apple Mail piece. So what 
you would find is that your opens and opens vary by brand. They vary by industry, of course, right? Of course, right? But they're inflated now. So like what you had your, your benchmarks before, like let's say you were getting 15% open rate about six to 12 months after iOS 15 went live and people adopted male privacy protection, you were talking about 25% open rate, 30% open rate. So you have, and I found, for example, sometimes it depends on which, when I, when I was working on the brand side, I had some sometimes where for no apparent reason, the promotional email would end up in Gmail updates. And you're more people are more likely to open an updates email than a promotions email because you know people compartmentalize and go, I'll come to promotions when I'm ready. And so whenever we would have this big uptick in, in open, we would go, oh, we must have hit the updates folder because hmm. a large percentage of the audience was Gmail. And that's true for everybody. Everybody in e-com, you're at least 50% Gmail. Now, how do, you, how do you get into that folder? How do you get into updates? How do you get into um, updates? Uh, that is, uh, there. you have no control over that. That's you know, Anybody who comes to you and says you can get into the primary folder in Gmail, they're lying to you. It is just, it's just Gmail's algorithm continues to get better to where promotions doesn't really hurt you. Because if we hit updates, our conversion rate didn't go up, right? We just had a, an influx of opens. They weren't purchasing. So I always go with, you know, opens are directional, particularly if you're testing subject lines, because you can go, okay, here's my benchmark of, yeah, they might be inflated, but we usually see 35%, maybe it's 40%, whatever it might be. If that, whatever your benchmark is, if it starts dropping off, we we do know, I believe that mail privacy protection, if you hit spam, it doesn't auto open. Essentially what mail privacy pr protection did was just auto open something. But you wouldn't know if it was actually opened because it's a pixel, right? It's a pixel in the email. Mm -hmm. If you drop off suddenly, you go, okay, I'm having some deliverability issues. But you could go, oh, if we did get a raise over our normal types of subject lines, you can take with a grain of salt and go, well, maybe the active, the actual opens aren't that great. But directionally, this type of subject line is working better. So what is a piece of actionable advice you'd give listeners on how they could see quick results on their email marketing here in the holidays. Uh, get if you don't have it, get your card abandoned up running right away, because especially during holiday, you have more shoppers on the site, you have more um, traffic on the site. Get get a, a card abandoned in place. Get a checkout abandoned in place. Maybe further down the line, but not right now. Get a, a browse abandoned in place if you have a ton of people on your list and a ton of traffic. Um, but cart and checkout abandon, especially during Holly when people are unsure, they're, they're looking at a bunch of things, but they're unsure of where to pull the trigger. That's, I mean, that's one of the low hanging fruit pieces. I mean, I, I mean, the number of people that we work with that don't have a welcome in place, that don't have a cart abandoned in place, get those foundational pieces in play. It's not a huge lift in terms of work and it pays dividends almost immediately. Now, over the next year, what changes do you foresee coming in in the email marketing industry? I think AI is going to, you know, it still remains to be determined what's going to happen there. But you have AI for content building, the automation building, like I said, those are the pieces I think, you know, it's it's worth continuing to watch and seeing how those grow and be implemented into the day-to-day -day email. 
uh, you know, with male privacy protection, with, um, you know, it's a continued uphill battle to get metrics. You know, there's this push for privacy. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the cookie is going away right here in the next, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, they're going to start rolling out. Google claims they're going to start rolling out the cookie. I think they're going to do a small, I think it's like 1% and they're going to see how much impact it has on their business. And I'm going to guess they're going to un they're going to roll back the rollback or I don't know. Um, but with iOS 17, they started implementing some tracking parameter blocking. So some, some platforms that have unique, I think like HubSpot and Marketo and a few others can't think off the top of my head there, but they have some specific, you, know, you think about UTM parameters, but they have some, some specific um, appends on links that are going to get blocked by Apple right? Like stripped out for tracking. So make sure you have your UTM tracking that's rock solid with Google and everything else. So you can get as good of attribution as you can. But I, I think that 2024 is going to continue that push into marketers don't need visibility. It's going to become an increased challenge to track everything. So who is the your ideal client at Inbox Army, are you guys, who are you working with? I mean, again, we have clients across 40 different platforms. We have clients across all industries. You know, we do, given that we are really strong on that, what I, you know, that production type play, we do really well with um, obviously e-commerce and retailers. You know, if, if you're an email marketing agency, that's what you do. But we also, you know, support clients in finance and travel and hospitality and, you know, across the board, I would say there's no perfect single client. We view everyone, you know, with a, that there's opportunity to grow everybody's program. And so we, we like to, I mean, a perfect client is someone who comes in and they're happy and we can keep them happy and make them grow. And how does your guys's fee structure work? Right now it's, it, we it's either you know sort of a project based or we do retainer based so sometimes it's you know we can do managed services on like a 3 month agreement that goes month to month where hey we're going to send four campaigns a month, four messages a month for you guys right and then you know we can build an automation of you know oh you want a three message automation we'll do that as a project and build it out for you we do have some uh several clients that go on retainer with us and then we have teams that just support them for up to, you know, certain hours and, you know, we do everything, right? That's where that flexibility comes in of, hey, if you just need someone to be your email team, we can do that too. And then build whatever you want to build or whatever we agree. Like we'll, re we'll make recommendations and go, hey, you need a welcome series or, hey, let's add, you have two emails in your card abandon. Let's add one more for now, then add another one later. Or, you know, we'll, in some cases, they have very long drawn out, you know, customer life cycles and decision, you know, it, you know, that was that, that consideration period can be a lot, much longer time, especially for the larger purchases. We can, we can support that as well. You know, it's and what kind of budget should they have? Should they be expecting to, to run this? Uh, you're talking probably a minimum engagement of, you know, $1,500 a month, at least. You know, and like I said, we're not the cheapest out there, but we're not the most, certainly not the most expensive. And we, we provide flexibility. Got it. And how can an interested listener learn more about working with you guys? 
Pretty simple. Go to inboxarmy.com. You can see our list of services there. Fill out a form, schedule a call. Uh, let us know that you heard me here. And uh, if you want to come find me directly, I'm on LinkedIn, of course. So linkedin.com slash in slash Scott Cohen 13. Great. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Scott. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up today? Uh, no, I think, you know, it, it's, it's been great to chat and, you know, it's email is such a, I like to say email is kind of like the offensive lineman of marketing, right? Like a lot of times eyes aren't on us unless something goes wrong, but we really pave the way for everything else to work. So don't overlook email, especially, you know, your e-commerce, you need email, get email, get your email ducks in a row as soon as you can. I like that analogy. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Scott. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Scott or Inbox Army, you'll find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all of our different past guests by show topic and include each of their contact information in case you would like more information in the services I have discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.